Today on Ag News Daily. What this means is we're no longer going to be getting reports. Assuming this holds up this summer on the final determination, but if the numbers, if they do hold up, we're not going to see it from Russia, we're not going to see it from Trinidad. And it means our U.S. and North American producers are going to have to produce more UAN at the expense of less urea production. Good afternoon and welcome to a Friday episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. This is Ashton Carr here, ready to chat some news before we head into the weekend here. So I'm just going to go ahead and kick things off today because I have a couple of stories that I wanted to talk about before we get into my conversation with Josh Linville talking about fertilizer. And this first piece of news that I have is concerning fertilizer because we are hearing a couple of different things from folks out in the fields on what they're going to do because of the current fertilizer situation. The added costs of fertilizing corn isn't enough to sway this Minnesota farmer to plant more soybeans. Mike Peterson says that he's sticking with a 50-50 rotation on his farm near Northfield. He was quoted as saying, if I was stronger corn than I was beans, I would go 50-50. But I think I'm there for the parcels we run. I've got the rotation kind of laid out the way we like it, and I'm not going to be any stronger on soybeans. He told Brownfield Ag News that he is worried about securing crop inputs on time. He expects to pay about 40% more on his inputs this year, but things could be taking a turn here, folks. So stay tuned for my conversation with Josh to see really what's going on here, what we're seeing. He says that farmers aren't out of time just yet, but the window is really closing quickly to secure some of these fertilizer inputs. So folks, be sure to stay around for that conversation after I finish talking about some news stories. Another story that I found quite interesting today is how an insulation company can increase specialty sorghum acres. A Texas installation company that goes by the name of Milo Insulation is expanding its footprint and giving Kansas and Nebraska sorghum farmers an opportunity to add value to their crop. Tom Martin with Milo Insulation says that he pays sorghum producers a specialty rate for growing specific varieties that are made into insulation. He said that the dots include raw material factory and expansion of extrusion plants because the concept is to have a raw material factory to have farmers to deliver to that producer's natural resin. The natural resin is then shipped to major marketing areas where an extrusion plant turns it into finished insulation and sells it and installs it. Martin says that expanding raw material plants can decrease expenses for farmers while his company can gain a larger footprint. Sounds like a pretty win-win situation here to me, folks. So if you're interested in learning a bit more about that, definitely check out Milo Insulation. Totally not an ad there. I just think that this company is really interesting and I hadn't heard a whole lot about that. So it sounds like a great growing market for sorghum producers there. Moving on to another piece of news here from the EPA. We saw the agency earlier today announce that it had finalized a rule that would give oil refiners more time to comply with biofuel blending mandates, including those from previous years. The agency is working to finalize proposed biofuel blending requirements for 2020, 2021, and 2022. They said earlier today that it would change the way in which future deadlines are determined to help ensure that each year's deadline falls after the standards for the subsequent compliance year are known. 
So just a couple of things coming before the weekend here from the EPA. Honestly, don't really have a whole lot to say about this. Of course, they're still behind on those blending requirements. I feel like it doesn't come as too much of a surprise for folks. My final piece of news here is involving truckers as North Dakota signs an emergency order to help recruit truckers to deliver milk. Of course, we know that there are some trucker shortages across North America right now. And with the U.S. experiencing a shortage of more than 80,000 truck drivers, this is a big issue. So North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum signed an emergency order on Tuesday that is meant to ease a shortage of truck drivers to deliver milk to schools, businesses, and other customers. The emergency order will temporarily waive the hours of service requirements for truck drivers for 30 days, which follows a decision by the state's milk marketing board to waive enforcement of certain licensing requirements until April 1st. The emergency measures come after a major milk distributor in North Dakota went out of business due in part to a lack of certified drivers, putting rural consumers and more than 50 school districts at risk of losing milk deliveries. North Dakota currently has 49,858 drivers with a commercial driver's license, down from 52,824 in 2017. Makes me wonder, you know, what what we're going to see at a larger standpoint here, because of course, like I mentioned at the beginning of that story, we're short truck drivers, almost 80 or more than 80,000 truck drivers are needed to kind of help out the supply chain issues that we're seeking, the labor issues that we're seeing. So really a lot going on here makes me wonder if we're going to see similar emergency orders really across the nation here, but only time will tell. But one thing we don't have to wait and see about is the markets going to go ahead and start things out today as we saw some strength in the grains. The March corn contract closed 10 and three quarter cents higher at 636. The May up 10 and a quarter to close at 633 and a quarter. In soybeans, the March contract up 21 and three quarter cents to close at 1470. The May closed 21 and a quarter higher at 1475 and a quarter. In KC wheat, the March contract closed eight and three quarter cents higher at 802 and a quarter. The May up eight and a quarter to close at 805 and a quarter. Continued strength in the livestock markets as the live cattle February contract was up 87.5 cents to close at 138.70. The April up $1.47.5 to close at 143.10. The feeder cattle March contract was up 12.5 cents to close at 159.62.5. The April up 20 cents to close at 165.30. In lean hogs, more green across the screen here as we look at the February contract closing 90 cents higher at 87.92.5. The April, up 25 cents, close at 94.92.5. Heading over into the dairy parlor here, ending this Friday on a good note as the February contract is up 35 cents to close at 2019. The March, up 69 cents, close at 21.38. With that, I'm going to kick it over to my conversation about Ferts with Josh Linville. On today's Fry Yay episode, we're talking about fertilizers here with Josh Linville of StoneX, the director of fertilizer over there. We've got uh, an expert with us today, I would say, Josh. 
<laughs> I don't know about that. I'm just trying to hold on as much as everybody else is in these crazy markets. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and dive right into it here because the fertilizer markets, the whole fertilizer store really has not given up here. You know, we continue to see headlines and people having conversations about it. And honestly, I think that people would be getting pretty tired of it, but I think that there's just so much going on. It's like a telenovela, basically. I feel like it's just so much drama. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a, it's like an accident. You just can't look away. It's (laughs) It's fascinating. I, I will say, I mean, I've been I've been in this industry for 20 years. Uh, a couple of people I work with, they've been in it 40 plus years. None of us have ever seen anything like this. This is all brand new. And it, the lead up to it is new to us. The way that we're moving today, the crazy volatility we're seeing is brand new to us. It's a, it's a whole new waters and fertilizer isn't exactly one that's known for uh, new stuff. So this is it can, it's exciting. But it's also exhausting. It's very, very violent. So bring us up to speed here, because, you know, we've had you, of course, on the podcast before, you know, when we were really getting into the thick of things with fertilizer. So why don't you just bring us up to speed here and kind of give a, a little recap on what we've been seeing here lately? Yeah, uh, it's probably easier to start with the nitrogen side. Uh, that's where I always like to start with. It sees the most volatility out there. And since we set those highs back in November, uh, we've actually been bleeding off. And if you've been seeing it on the news, if you've been seeing it on uh, Twitter or any of these types of places, we've been talking about how the prices have been falling. But it's not a straight line down. Like when you go back to 2008, the last time we had these record high prices, once we hit the highs, we just went straight to the bottom. There was no up and down. And that's what's so different about this one. It has been, you know, it's down big one day. And we're not talking down big 20 bucks. We're talking down $100 a ton. And then the next day it comes right back up again. It's up $70, $80. And the next time it goes down, it's a hundred bucks. And we're getting to the point now, it's crazy to believe. But with NOLA urea, we see a uh, we see a hundred dollar ton move. And it's kind of like you shrug your shoulders like, oh yeah, of course, it's Thursday. Why wouldn't we? So it, this has all been going on, but it's been a downward trend, which is obviously a great thing for the farmer. But we have to keep it in context because this is limited tonnage. This is limited trade down in the Gulf of Mexico. It's a great thing to watch. It's a great tracker of the direction, but it doesn't automatically indicate prices go down all over the place. And unfortunately, the last couple of days, we've seen that trend happen uh, the other way. We are up multiple. Uh, we're up a couple hundred dollars a ton from where we were Wednesday. Uh, there is reports that we are going to see India step back in the marketplace sooner than expected. Europe is now starting to buy uh, again for their spring preparations. The market is completely turned around. The narrative has shifted. Uh, UAN, of course, we've got the countervailing duty case we can talk about. That was a shocker yesterday afternoon. And Hydrus is just biding its time. Um, and then phosphate's kind of been slowly bleeding. We're not talking a lot of dollars, but it's, uh, it is at least coming off. And then potash is just quiet like it normally is. So, Josh, there, you said something there towards the end about what's going on yesterday and, you know, things kind of reacting to that. So why don't we dive into that a little bit more and really what's going on um, from a a global perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So the big thing that happened yesterday was uh, on the UAN front, it was the countervailing and anti-dumping case that CF has filed against Russia and Trinidad UAN imports. That is a case that's been going on for a little while. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it was filed, but it's been going on. And a while ago, we figured out what the countervailing duty preliminary rate was. And it was actually very, very small. Uh, Trinidad was only like 1.8%. And Russia, I think, was 9.6 going off of memory. And so those values are actually very, very low compared to what we thought they would be. And the countervailing duty case was the weaker of the two cases, or the stronger of the two cases. So we thought the anti-dumping was weaker. We thought the rates would be lower. That's what we expected. 
The announcement came out yesterday afternoon, and they shocked the system. They shocked the world. The rates against trend debt, it was 1.8 on the countervailing duty. It was 63% on the anti-dumping. Russia was anywhere from 9% to 24% on most of the producers over there. A violent turn of events. And what that means is all of a sudden, trend debt and Russia account for 80% of the U.S. imports. They're not coming here directly anymore. We've just disrupted global trade flows. And that usually means turbulent water equals higher prices. So what do you expect to come from this? Obviously, you say that, you know, kind of shocked the markets and really shocked the world there with that announcement. But looking a little bit ahead of time, what do you expect to happen as a result of this? Well, it doesn't mean that UAM prices are just going to go on their own. and It's going to be $800 a ton for forever for the next five years. That's not the case. It's still tied to the urea market. It's still tied to the anhydrous market. The nitrogen is kind of the three-headed monster, and they've got to move together to a certain extent, or they lose demand to one another. What this means is we're no longer going to be getting imports, assuming this holds up this summer on the final determination. But it, the numbers, if they do hold up, we're not going to see it from Russia. We're not going to see it from Trinidad. It means our U.S. and North American producers are going to, have to produce more UAN at the expense of less urea production. It now means the last couple of years, we've actually seen UAN be a little bit cheaper than urea. Those days are gone. Uh, UAN should go back, should, quotations, should go back to being a premium nitrogen product. And earlier you mentioned that Europe, of course, is really preparing for their spring season. You know, a lot of farmers here in the U.S. are going to start gearing up for planting season, you know, really just right around the corner here. So what are some things that they can do as we try to navigate these waters here with these high fertilizer prices, you know, um, I don't think that a lot of people have really ever had to deal with this. I mean, you were talking earlier about how you've never had to deal with this either. So what are some things that they can do to really start planning now? Are we already too far into this? Can they do any preparations? This, I say this far ahead of time, but like I mentioned, we're just around the corner here. So are they out of time? They are not out of time. I 100% believe we still have time to prepare. We're okay from that perspective. But to your point, the window is shutting very, very quickly. Uh, you know, we're very reliant on a lot of urea imports coming from like the Middle East to our Gulf. You think about the logistics of it. It takes 30 days to move that boat from there to here to the Gulf of Mexico. Then you got to get it onto a barge and that takes several days. And then it takes you 30 days to get up anywhere on the river system. And then you got to put it through a terminal and put it on the rail or truck and get it out to the retail and then out to the farm. This stuff doesn't show up overnight. And so the best thing I can tell you, it's two things. Number one, don't let emotion uh, dictate your decision-making. That's a big thing that I preach on my presentations. I have made a lot of angry decisions in my life and not a single one of them has ever worked out well for me. And it's okay to be angry, but when you go to make your decision, when you look at the numbers, just look at the numbers, let them dictate your decision. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Don't try and fit a square peg in a round hole. But if it does, roll with it. And the other side of it is, and I know this is going to be a lot of people like, I don't want to do this. We need to have more conversations with our supplier. And I don't know if it's a co-op or a retail location or whatever it is, but it's hard for you to pull the trigger. Imagine how it is for that retailer who's buying thousands or tens of thousands of tons, and they don't have any mechanism to protect themselves. So they're putting it in there and praying that you come in and buy it. This market is cagey. This market is very, very nervous. And when you're like that, you don't take a lot of positions. You're not going to just have the product sitting there waiting on the day that the farmer shows up. We need to have more conversations, at least if we go to our supplier and say, I don't want to buy it today. I don't like the economics. However, when I do come forward, this will be my demand. This is going to be my time period. 
have better conversations so that they can at least put together some sort of a plan of attack so they can be as prepared as they possibly can for when you show up on their doorstep. So kind of rounding out our conversation here, you have talked a little bit about when we're going to see the end of this and a couple of other analysts, economists, whoever have also been talking about when we're going to see an end to this. And there's been some mixed conversations. Some people say, you know, spring, summer, and some are saying later into fall. So what are your thoughts on that? From a fertilizer perspective, we will see prices come down this summer. Now, that's a little asterisk there. We are not going to see prices go back to where they were summer of 2020. That is it in the cards? Yes, but it would take a number of circumstances to come up together to make that happen. But my take on it is, and the reason I say summer, is because China has not been exporting phosphate or nitrogen. Their plan is to come back online and start exporting again once we get to June, and they could come on earlier. That will help prices go down because we have more supply. Hopefully, by the time we get a couple months down the road, this whole Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, this whole situation in that part of the world will start to calm down. And we go back to normal, we get normal flows and we get normal prices and things like that. The world will calm down. And summer is a naturally, uh, it's our natural seasonal low. Uh, you start thinking about it. Global demand is next to nothing once we get to June, July, August. That's why the price dips there. And we'll see it across every corner of the earth. That will affect us here on the farm, here in the U.S. We'll see prices down. But again, we also have to remember, we are going to be coming out of the spring with probably some of the lowest inventories we have in a long time if our numbers are even directionally correct. That means we should be okay. We should get to the summer. We should see prices reset, but never, ever, ever discount the fact that if we hit a hiccup here, let's say we have another Arctic blast like we did last year, and we shut down production for two, three weeks, that's going to hurt. We're going to feel it very quickly. So, you know, I, I said that we were rounding out our conversation here, but I do have one more thing to ask you, you know, talking about this on the same, same vein, really, because I really want to know if you think that it might take, you know, a few years for this to really shake out and go back to, you know, quote unquote, normal fertilizer prices that we have seen in the past. Or do you think that we will ever get down to those 2020 prices? Absolutely. We will get back down to them. Uh, as soon as you sit there and say it won't, it will absolutely humble you. So I've learned very, very quickly. Never say never. That's a, it's a <laughs> very, very high typical word. But I think it's going to take some time. Um, we have dealt with the last several years, we were dealing with across the board of the fertilizers. Prices were very, very low. And I think we're getting ready for a period where we're going to be higher than normal. Uh, I think this is normal for the next few years. I know the nitrogen complex. I look at urea. I look at the new production coming on around the world. That's what's planned between now and 2025. That new production pales in comparison to the demand growth we see every year. So we're losing ground there. Uh, phosphate. Countries around the world are being more guarded with their natural resources. And we're being guarded on our duties and things like that. That keeps prices higher than normal. Uh, same thing on the potash. So, yes, we will see a correction, but I, I don't know that we get back to 2020. It's going to be a while. Not to say that it can't happen. It absolutely could. But I think it's going to take quite a few things coming together to make that happen. Honestly, kind of a positive outlook on the fertilizer story right now. And I think that that's a relief to a lot of folks out there. And Josh, you're always having conversations on Twitter about what's going on in the fertilizer industry. So if folks want to have a conversation with you or just to see what you're saying and keep up with things, where can they find you? 
Yeah, uh, go in there and search at J Linville, L I N as in Nancy, V as in Victor, I L L E, Fert, F E R T, uh, at J Linville Fert. Uh, go on there, find me, follow me. And yeah, I try to always put something on there each day. What's going on? Or heck, if nothing's going on, that's something to talk about. Some days there's just nothing happening, but try to get a lot of information out there. We uh, fertilizer is an industry that's not been very good at sharing information. It's the biggest cost for most uh, farmers out there on a per acre basis. We've got to do better. We've got to get more out there. The more information you have, the more educational uh, decisions you can make. So we'll keep at it here. Well, Josh, thank you again so much for coming on and giving us an update here on what's going on and what we can expect. Anytime. Thanks again there to Josh for giving us a piece of good news here. Hopefully good news, you know, keeping our fingers crossed that the stars really align to see a decrease in these fertilizer prices. A lot going on from a global standpoint, you know, that really has to go in favor of producers for these prices to really come down and things to really start to ease here. But we'll be continuing to cover this story at agnewsdaily.com. With that, I'm going to let the people go.